2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, the Star Talk Report, produced by Keith Hubbard, highlights the Orionid meteor showers coming soon. Christine San Jose celebrates October along the Poets Row. In her segment, Now You Know, Stephanie Phillips finalizes her conversation with owner Paul Danino from the Bashakill Winery. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country here on Radio Catskill. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News, I'm Barbara Klein. Expert advisors to the Food and Drug Administration have voted to recommend that the agency authorize a booster shot of Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine. NPR's Ping Huang reports the expert panel voted unanimously in support of the move. In the U.S., around 15 million people have received Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine. It was authorized as a single shot. Now, in the face of breakthrough infections, some quite serious, the FDA's Vaccine Advisory Committee says one dose may not be enough. James Hildreth is a panel member and president of Meharry Medical College. As far as I'm concerned, it was always going to be necessary for J&J recipients to get a second shot. Data shows an additional dose, given two or more months after the first, could greatly increase protection. The panel also recommended a Moderna booster shot for limited groups of people at high risk of COVID because of age, health, or living situation. Next week, the booster conversation moves from the FDA to the CDC. Their advisors will refine recommendations for how they should be used. Ping Huang, NPR News. Drought conditions along the Colorado River Basin are getting attention from lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Alex Hager of member station KUNC reports policymakers from the federal government, seven states, and two tribes provided testimony yesterday. One congressman described the dire water supply issues as, quote, one of the most pressing challenges we face in the 21st century. John Ensminger runs the Southern Nevada Water Authority. Do we double down on the promises of the last century and fight about water that simply isn't there? Or do we roll up our sleeves and deal with the climate realities of this century? Many said the river will not be able to support the 40 million people who rely on it. Tribal leaders pushed the federal government to formalize a way for tribes to participate in negotiations, citing their historical exclusion. For NPR News, I'm Alex Hager in Greeley, Colorado. The Association of Southeast Asian Nations will not invite Myanmar's leader to an annual summit this month. Michael Sullivan reports. The decision to exclude junta leader Min Aung Lung is the first major step ASEAN has taken against Myanmar's military, since the February 1st coup, and a rare rebuke from an organization known for not involving itself in the internal affairs of its members. It was made after ASEAN's special envoy to Myanmar canceled his trip there earlier this week after being informed by the regime he would not be able to meet with Aung San Suu Kyi, the deposed leader of the country's civilian government. Suu Kyi is currently in detention and faces criminal charges brought by the military that could see her jailed for up to 15 years. 
The virtual summit begins October 26th. For NPR News, I'm Michael Sullivan in Bangkok. This is NPR. Support comes from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles as well as rustic collections, with showrooms at Lake Wallenpapak, downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com. This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, Christine San Jose celebrates October along the Poets Row. Stephanie Phillips, in her segment Now You Know, finalizes her conversation with Paul Danino from her visit to the Bashak Hill Winery. But first, here is Keith Hubbard with a Star Talk report on this week's Orionid Meteor Shower. Thank you for joining us for this week's locally produced Farm and Country. I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. The Orionid meteor shower will light up the sky for the next few days. The Orionids will be visible in the pre-dawn hours on Wednesday and Thursday, with the peak time for the shower being between midnight and dawn. During this time, 10 to 15 meteors per hour can be seen. The Orionid meteors come from the most well-known comet. Comet Halley was the first comet whose return visit to Earth was predicted. Comet Halley has a period of 76 years and is the only short-term comet visible to the naked eye. Comet Halley last passed by Earth in 1986 and is projected to return in 2061. The debris from Comet Halley is responsible for two meteor showers, with the other meteor shower being the Eta Aquarids. The Orionids owe their name to the region of the sky that the meteors appear to radiate from. The meteors radiate from a point north of the bright red star Betelgeuse in Orion. Unfortunately for us, this year will not be great for viewing the shower. The moon will be full on Wednesday and will be up all night. This will wash out all but the brightest meteors this year. Even going out a few days before or after the full moon will not help much as the moon will still be too bright. But try your luck in the early morning hours of Thursday to see any bright Orionid meteors through the moon's glare. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. For WJFF and Farm and Country... 
This is Christine San Jose. Along the poet's road today, you're going to need I for your imagination and O for October. Starting with O for October, brought to us by Marsha Niemeyer. And you're bringing the I for imagination, right? Okay, here goes Marsha, O to O, after Kathy Park Hong. Low hollow moon looms snow womb, blood broods on hoot owl song. Dogs howl, O oh sorry world, storm of wrong words, clock stopped mood. Gloom looms long knots, yon lord. Yon poor worm god, Dolor, knocks old doors down, Cosmos growls and scolds, fold, stop. Two nods too soon, Rob's worth. Who knows how to cross to frog pond, Flood of song from cocoon to flocks, Of moths to cottonwood, Bloom. <laughs> Is that enough O's for you? Now try this one. This, you might say, is more of an O-O than an O. It's by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. The Devil. From his brimstone bed at the break of day, a walking the devil is gone to visit his snug little farm, the earth, and see how his stock goes on. Over the hill and over the dale, and he went over the plain, and backward and forward he switched his long tail as a gentleman switches his cane. And how, then, was the devil dressed? Ho-ho! Oh, he was in his Sunday best. His jacket was red, and his britches were blue. And there was a hole where the tail came through. <laughs> I'm sure you haven't seen him walking over your property. And how about this one? This is, you may know it. It's by Hughes Mearns, and it's called Antigonish. Yesterday, upon the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish, I wish he'd go away. When I came home last night at three... The man was waiting there for me. But when I looked around the hall, I couldn't see him there at all. Go away, go away. Don't you come back any more. Go away, go away. And please don't slam the door. Last night I saw upon the stair a little man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. Oh, how I wish he'd go away. 
Husemans wrote that when he was a student at Harvard in 1899. Do you know, it, it was on the hit parade when Glenn Miller made a record of it. And in 2005, a heavy metal recording. But above all, I have to tell you, Hughes Mearns wrote wonderfully, logically convincing books on the importance of arts in education for kids. So have a creative week, wherever your talents lie, maybe growing food, or cooking food, or eating it. Along the Poets Row for Farm and Country, this has been Christine San Jose. Stephanie Phillips with Now You Know for Farm and Country. This morning I'd like to take you on a little tour of Bashakill Vineyards, which is south of Route 17, a bit off Route 209 in Wurtsboro. My tour guide is Paul Danino, proprietor of the vineyards. Paul, where are you from and what's your background? I'm originally from Mawa, New Jersey. I started off as an auto mechanic, actually a diesel mechanic. And uh, I used to contract the phone company, and then uh, I had an accident. We had one of the boom trucks, you know, with the buckets that go up to the telephone poles. A guy had a crane set up wrong, and uh, it actually pinned me in the back of the truck. I had six fractures in my hip and pelvis, and kind of wanted to get out of the automotive career. So then I went to night school, and I went for IT, and I got into computers, and then I went into uh, the IT field, and uh, the office life was just not for me. I was commuting 180 miles round trip from up here at the time, and wanted to have a business here and that, that's what kind of got me directed into the farm winery. So you were living in Wurtsboro before you started the vineyard? Yes. When did you say you got here? How long have you lived here? I moved here in 2001 so it's been uh, about 20 years now. Time flies. We planted our first vines in 2005. We got our farm winery license in December of 2007. You're in a beautiful place for the listeners who can't see it. Can you describe this location? So we're on the south side of the Bashik Kill. We're right across from the boat launch. It's a nice slope going down to the wetlands, which allows me to grow grapes because you always want a little water body source that uh, gives you the cool nights. Or people that live up here, when you come down the mountain, you always see that fog. And that's perfect for grape growing. It gives you that little microclimate. Napa has the San Francisco Bay, or Germany has the Rhine River. You really want that water body, and that gives you some protection. I saw something about goats. Do you have goats, too? We actually had baby doll sheep. Goats are actually, they'll devour everything. <laughs> they'll girdle trunks. <laughs> They're pretty destructive. So in 2011, we decided to get baby doll sheep to keep down the grass. They naturally fertilize. It worked out pretty well in the beginning. And then this past couple of years, they are getting older, a little more ornery, and they started getting a little more destructive. So they were pulling down our leaves, eating our flowers. Before, they used to just graze. So 
we ended up eating the sheep. <laughs> <So> <laughs> my wife's a chef. We made three different types of sausage. We made uh, we mixed it with beef. We made Moroccan style, classic style with like garlic and rosemary. And they only ate organically, so they were actually very delicious. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Is your winery open to the public? Do you give tours? Yes, we're definitely open to the public. I don't do any tours because my facility where I actually process the grapes is so small. But I, I'm always here to answer any questions about the winemaking process. And um, people are, are more than welcome to walk around the property. In the wintertime and early spring, I can bring people into the cave area. It's just if you bring too many people, it actually the body heat gets almost trapped in there and it, it changes the temperature. So I don't take too many people in. But we can, in the middle of winter, we can bring a few people in for a little tour of that. But you can come here. You can do sample wines. My wife does all the food here. We do a lot of farm-to-tail foods. We also grow a lot of our produce that's used into the kitchen. So like right now at the end of the tomato season, we have a beautiful fresh picked tomato and truffle cheese with olive oil from my family in Italy and tapas style foods here. If you would want to come, do you need a reservation? We don't take any reservations, just kind of first come first serve. So I always tell people to come early for the best pick of the seating. We always do have live music at two o'clock which is really nice. So it gets busier once live music starts. But we do every Saturday and Sunday, 12 to 6. That goes right up to mid-December. And then Fridays we was our summertime, 2 to 7. But we're extending that through the month of September this year. So you can come here for a whole meal or just for tasting? Don't expect a fork and knife here. We don't use any single-use plastics. We're on the Nature Preserve, so we, it's all tapas styles like hand foods. And we can give you suggested pairings with the wines. We really have a nice menu. And you can see on our website, it'll show all our uh, all the food that we have. We get a local ice cream. It's a, a farm in, from Pennsylvania that they actually have their own cows. They grow their own crops. And it's really, really amazing. I think you better tell us what your website is. It's Bashakill Vineyards. You can just Google Bashakill Vineyards and it'll pull right up. You said you're the first vineyard in the area. Are there other ones around? Yes, we're the first farm winery in Sullivan County. And most of the county, it's the soil's not as... Pretty much we're very lucky that we're on the bottom of the county and we're in front of the wetlands, so we were able to grow some grapes here. There's closest places is really into Hudson Valley, so probably Brimstone and Baldwin. They're about a half hour from us on Orange County. It sounds like you've consciously set up a tourist destination. What did you have to do? What did you have to change to go from just making wine to making it an attractive place to visit? A lot of work. <laughs> a lot, a lot of work. So each year, I mean, we're always doing projects, always trying to make it more beautiful and a lot of elbow grease in it. It's trying to make it nicer for the people to come and visit. And it's really, really cool. We get travelers from, it amazes me, people from the city that just do day trips. They'll come up here for the day. They'll, it's nice. They'll go into town then after. It's amazing how far people come. We have a very diverse crowd, all different ages. We are kid-friendly, but parents have to. It's not a playground. We're very strict. They have to watch their kids. They can't run around. We're also very pet-friendly as well, as long as they're leashed. What are your facilities? You have a dining area? You have What, what do you have to offer the tourists who come? Well, right now, all our seating is outdoors. We do have an indoor space, but we're having an issue with our town over this. If anyone's ever been here before, we had an outside bar, and there was a flat roof over it. 
and the roof was starting to get dilapidated, run down, and was starting to leak, so it needed to be replaced. And we wanted to enclose it, and we wanted to make like a half cathedral so we can put air conditioning and heating. All we wanted to do was come out six feet, so we had an engineer stamp plans for it, and now the town hasn't issued us a building permit for this. And they're saying in 2019, the laws were changed, and now farm wineries need a special use permit. And it clearly states their zoning laws that anything under 1,500 square feet does not need a special use permit. So we added 300 square feet to our existing 900. We ended up having to get a lawyer over this, and now last week we just got a letter saying we're going to get daily fines until we go to the planning board. Actually, Mamma Kidding's comprehensive plan states that they support agritourism. We're one of the few agritourism businesses, and uh, there's no way we're being supported right now. Is it possible to have events here? Can you reserve the facility for events? I can't have any indoor events. It's, hopefully, we're going to get this resolved soon because we love to have people, and we love to have people come here. Besides finishing our indoor space, we really want to work on the aesthetics outside. We're slowly replacing all the old furniture. We're just, we want to look, really work on the landscaping, really want it to look nice for people. So I just did a first batch of a pear wine from some pear trees that we have. I'm really excited about it. So we might be planting some pear trees in the future too. But you're not making beer. That was a whole other issue. <laughs> Maybe about four years ago, you weren't allowed to have beer at a farm winery. So I actually applied for the brewing license. We converted a couple of my wine tanks to a brew kettle, and I started producing two beers. I look back and really think I was out of my mind for even going that direction because I actually ruined a big batch of wine because I was just doing too many things. And then a year later after getting the license, they changed the law, and now we're allowed to resell other New York beer here. So it's a lot easier. But that actually also gave me the idea to keg wine. We had some of the keg equipment, and then now we're starting to keg a lot of our wine, and then people can get the growlers and refill their own wine growlers. Here we go for a little walk sure. around the Basher Hill vineyards here. And you live right here on the premises. Oh, yeah. So it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Okay, so we're in a very large space right now mm -hmm. with a bar and very nice knotty pine walls. It's very attractive. Thank you. We eventually want to do all stonework along the wall. My wife's going to do a mosaic in the back and then there'll be stonework in the back there behind. And these are all our wines on tap. We have, it's nice, we have three different reds. We have our, uh, and then the Cab Franc and the Merlot, we also have traditional bottles. These are our labels. And last year, when we were just doing wine to go, we, we closed during the pandemic. We got big crowds here. So we ended up canning a couple batches of wine. It was really popular for people to take a can. And what's nice about cans, it's fully aluminum and fully recyclable. And you don't have to open a whole bottle. They're actually 375 milliliter, which is exactly a half a bottle. So it's nice for two glasses of wine. But for canning, don't you need special facility? Yeah, I had a, a company come here and they actually bring their equipment and they can right on your premises. I'm not doing it this year, but uh, I might do it again in the future for a batch. So there's kind of a stone sidewalk with some design in it. This was uh, stamped concrete and it was just uh, stained, so it would give it kind of the look of stone. And then we have, we're actually, we're gonna do like kind of like a Northern Swiss German look. 
So we're gonna do uh, green shutters. My wife's gonna paint it with the flower boxes. So your wife is artistic? Yes, I'm very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> she did all the work on the pavilions. So we're in an outside area now, and there's a, I guess you'd call it a pavilion. Yeah, these are the... Where it's open on the sides mm -hmm. with a very cute roof with decorated... It's actually stained glass. Whoa. Uh, it's, actually, there's a place in South Carolina. And we got all these pieces for free because it's all the byproducts. So we made into a little design. Very attractive eating area. Our kitchen's named after this guy, this little dog. That's Walter. He, he lost his eyes. Uh. The kitchen's called uh, Blind Dog Kitchen. Food-wise, it's kind of like a, almost like a giant food truck style. You go right up to it and put your order in there and it's all tapas styles and then you can just wander around the vineyard and have your wine in the pavilion over there. Very cute. And you can see that's where I planted buckwheat in the field. So we're gonna replant the Cayuga over there. This little field, we get about 4,000 pounds just from this field over wow. here. Uh, nice little big. pond here. Yeah, it's cool. It's uh, a lot of catfish in there and people like to come up in the city and stuff to sit by the pond. And, uh, it's nice also a lot of people do a little kayaking, they do a little hiking and then they come over here and they can get a little something to eat and a glass of wine. And a ping pong table. And a ping pong table. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our cave. So all the steel was hand forged. Uh, the guy put about 70 hours in here. Yeah, each door is 500 pounds. Just beautiful. And it's full of your steel yeah. barrels here. So these, these are the wine barrels. So after the wine's been aged for two years in the house, then we move it to kegs. We, everything's reusable, you know, then I have a keg cleaner, so we just clean them and then you, you uh, refill them. And then people can have their growler and then they can come back and they have like $3 off anything that we have uh, kegged. So it works out, it's really sustainable. But, uh, it has no a nice little hint of a wine smell. Mm -hmm. And then these are, we have white wines in here as well. That's, uh, not in the barrels, but in the only white wines we do in barrels is the Chardonnay, and that's half in oak and half in stainless steel, and that's blended. It's a 40-foot deck up on top. So oh, I can, see. Yeah, normally like said, the vines behind, it, those are the ones we plant. People can sit up there, and they have a really nice view of the Basha Kill. So you're on top of the cave. You're on top of the cave, yeah. It's a 40 by 16 deck. Very nice. It's probably one of the best spots. Until you have to walk up and down. <laughs> right. So now you know one beautiful place to go for local wine tasting. Our winery expert today has been Paul Danino, owner of Bashakil Vineyards. Please send your suggestions for other topics and experts to Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E, at WJFFradio.org. This has been Stephanie Phillips for Farm and Country.
hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteers Keith Hubbard and Stephanie Phillips. Special thanks goes to our guest, Paul Danino, owner of the Bashakel Winery. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening to Farm and Country on Radio Catskill. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org Hi, this is Steve Inskeep with NPR News. Everybody takes their coffee a little bit differently. And of course, for some of us, it's tea. That's why you listen to NPR, because there are all sorts of people in the world, and you hear those many voices. You can learn from people you agree with.